Hey, you are now listening to the Graceway Podcast. Let's talk. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk. My name is Jeff Adams. I'm here with Pastor Tim Dunn, and we're going to talk about uh, your message this morning, by the way. And this is uh, number two of a series that is going to go all year. That's kind of an unusual box for you to be in. It is. But I'm excited about it. I think everybody else is excited about it. And uh, the idea is to take this faith family through the entire Bible in a year. Right. So you figured if Jesus could do it to the people in Emmaus in three (laughs) or four hours, you could do it in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've got faith in you. (laughs) You said something again this morning that uh, was also very prominent in what you said last week. And uh, you said this by way of review. And I thought it'd be good for us to uh, give this to the people who are with us on this podcast. You said that Jesus is both the primary interpreter of Scripture and he's also the primary interpretation. Right. Kind of give us a summary, Pastor Tim, of what you mean by that. Yeah, well, I mean, you have the you have the practical of when Jesus is here, he is regularly reframing the law in the Old Testament for us. Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, but I say to you, you also have this mode of thinking of kind of running macro theology through the mm-hmm. the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm that nothing's going to contradict. It's always going to correspond with uh, who Jesus exemplified in the flesh. Um, And and so Jesus is an interpretative tool, uh, both in his speaking and in his life. But we don't, a lot of times, we don't think about him being the punchline. And we we started to talk last week, and um, guys typically kind of in the Reformed, tribe. Tim Keller's a big one who's done a lot of, you know, uh, Jesus in these stories that we know about and others as well, kind of helping us frame, take ourselves out of the story and -hmm. put Jesus into the story. So today, you know, I talked about, um, you know, Jonah Mm -hmm. and how uh, Jesus is our true and better Jonah who goes into the storm, not in rebellion, but in obedience that he might, you know, uh, call some to faith and repentance. So, um, I think it's just a, it's an instructive way because I think a lot of times whenever we view ourselves as the primary interpretation or as the uh, primary interpreter, we end up with these belief systems and these expectations of God that are not really in Scripture. So like Abraham goes, you know, to this unknown place and in faith and God blesses him and I do that and God doesn't appear to bless me. Yeah. And so I'm pretty disillusioned. Well, it's not primarily about you. You know, you can learn from it, but sure. Jesus is the primary interpretation. So you use this term macro theology, yeah. and uh, we, we may assume from that that there's a, a micro theology. Sure, sure. And, and the reason I, I caught my attention, I, w- I was thinking this morning as, a, as I listened to you that uh, I love the emphasis, look for Jesus first, not sure. yourself. Yeah. You, you find Jesus, you'll find yourself. Yeah. But how do you advise people when they approach Scripture, they're looking for Jesus yeah. all the way through both Old and New Testaments. Yeah. But it seems like there, there are elements of Christianity that are so given to finding some hidden meaning, some symbol that nobody's ever seen before. Right. It's not enough to talk about the three wise men and what they might symbolize. We've got to find a meaning for their camels and for the <laughs> nose hair of their camels and yeah. all this type of stuff. How do you draw that balance? 
Well, I mean, I think it's part of the reason that I harped on some of those. At, you would know them as kind of hermeneutical rules, but I, I, I think that n not believing less than the Bible says, but also not believing more, mm -hmm. and using context and authorial right. intent to kind of keep you off those rails. You know, was Luke yeah. trying to symbolize, you know, something? Uh, eschatological by the second hump of the yeah. of the camel. No, exactly. he was not. He was talking about a camel. Right. Uh, right. And you know, you said last week, and I actually had gone and found found the quote. Uh, if it wasn't true for them, it can't be true for you. Yeah. And and so I think um, I think that if you use sound hermeneutics, mm -hmm. it keeps you off of the rails and the flow of scripture and the stated purpose of the Holy Spirit to get mm -hmm. you to Jesus. Uh, you know, you're really trying to stay out of the bad and the assumption that God will keep you progressing in the good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I can relate to that as, as a new believer. That's, that's been a few years ago. And, and in the <laughs> early years of my ministry, yeah. I, I was so fascinated to read some of the books that were produced by some of the old dispensationalists. Yeah, yeah. G.H. Pember. Yeah, yeah. And all these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't regret that at all. I no. learned a lot of things, yeah. but yet, uh, as you go through life, you have to realize like, wait a minute, I don't want to get lost in the weeds here. Yeah. I, I want to see what God is doing. And the, the statement that you just made, and I heard you say that this morning as well, sure. uh, let's don't make the Bible say something that it didn't mean to the people to whom it was written. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's such a great, uh, a, a great technique to yeah. keep us away from trying to look for too much. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's the positive way to say it. I think the, I think the negative way to say it is, f I think that sometimes we get cute. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's like the simple things aren't deep enough or transcendent enough or important enough, and it's it it can end up being a pretty arrogant way to study, right? Yeah. Um, I I don't you know, I, I mean this directed at nobody, but I let me phrase it in the positive. Uh, some of the things that are just the meat and potatoes of scriptures are, in fact, the most powerful, most transcendent, most necessary for us. And and even if, um, you know, the second hump of the camel did symbolize whatever, mm -hmm. it pales in comparison right. to the other, as you know, as I'm kind of coining macro theologies that really are intended to produce good fruit and resolve and peace and joy and the fruit of the spirit and all those things in us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit, you, uh, you talked this morning about the fall yeah. and uh, the lessons that we can learn from that sure. as we're making our way through Genesis. And you talked a little bit about obedience. What can we learn about obedience from this? And, and let me set up my question because uh, you, you said that God wants obedience to come from relationship. Yeah. Okay. And what, what happens is my relationship with God does not depend upon obedience. I think that's the way that you said that. Right. It, it depends upon what Jesus did. Sure. Uh, so how does this, Pastor Tim, affect our Western concept of spirituality? We seem to put such an emphasis on obedience mm. that it's so easy for us to slide down that slope into a legalistic sure. mindset where I have to do this or God will be angry with me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I let, let me just give kind of my my study as I was looking through it. It just was interesting to me that obviously the serpent, Satan, Lucifer, um, was aiming ultimately at 
disobedience. Mm -hmm. But he never, never references it. He aims what he appears to believe would produce it, which is that he aims at God's truthfulness and trustworthiness. And those are both tenets of relationship. You know, it, it's going to be hard for you and I to have a relationship if I think you're a liar mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you to have one with me if you don't trust me. Uh, and, and so the enemy really attacks the relationship that Adam and Eve would have had with God. And God, conversely, um, puts no coercive elements in the garden. Uh, no no uh, stick and carrot, mm -hmm. no you know, threat of consequence. Right. Just please obey me out of the good relationship that, that we're having. And so it just was interesting to me to think about, I don't, I don't want to de-emphasize obedience. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that would not be biblical to do that. I'm trying to sequence obedience, which is always, the mm, best obedience good. is always out of relationship. It is, uh, you know, I don't want my wife to not cheat on me because mm. I'll be mad. <laughs> you know, I don't want my kids to obey me uh, so that they don't get in trouble. I want my wife to want to be with me more than anyone else. I want my kids to want to, um, you know, make dad happy, make dad, you know, wh whatever the language of it is. But we boil our theology down to the carrot and the stick, the mm -hmm. punitive uh, consequence and the blessing. And, and it is both not biblical and not life-giving. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it either produces arrogance when, I'm, when it's going well mm -hmm. and expectation. Well, I did the right thing, so why, why didn't you give me what I wanted? Or it produces despair. I can't do the right thing. I'm in, I am doomed to inevitably and eternally be disappointing to and distanced from you. The gospel is this kind of third, this this third way that God initiates relationships. Is that not the same thing that you said this morning uh, again in introduction and yeah. review, yeah. where you said don't read the Bible because that's going to make God happy, right. but rather because He He's is. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that. You know, there's a lot of, you, you reference Western culture, we could talk about family history and, you know, societal norms. We, there's a million reasons. It really boils down to there's a lot of social or there's a lot of spiritual warfare around um, the title and responsibility of father mm -hmm. uh, in family. Uh, and we take a lot of baggage culturally, socially, familially into our relationship with God. And we have been given in the Enlightenment this kind of moral uh, right and wrong view of Scripture and the Bible, especially in the West, a little bit less so in shame, honor, or, you know, power, yeah, fear yeah. context. Um, and, and so we read the Bible, and I just was struck with, in my own, really focusing on Adam and Eve, right, mm. in, uh, in this. And obviously they're talked about the most, but really, for me, the point of Genesis 3 is the promise of a Savior, not... Uh, you know, carrot right. and stick. You now you got to get the stick. Here's the right. curse. Um, you know, we could get into the sovereignty and foreknowledge of God around. Did He know they were going to fail? Was the point always to send Jesus? You know, that we could get pretty mystical around that. But yeah, I think God's just God is imploring relationship. The enemy is attacking relationship. Whenever Adam and Eve get outside of relationship, disobedience occurs. There was a series of, of consequences yeah. as the result of Adam and Eve's sin. Yes. And, and you talked about that, but I, I love what you just said. The main point yeah. is to see the promise of the Savior. Yeah. 
But back to the consequences for just a second, something else that uh, you said that I thought was, was profound and, and most important, that the biggest consequence was fear. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm wondering about that. And, and the West, uh, I think especially, and I'm not trying to down Western culture yeah, versus sure. Eastern culture, but we live in the West. Yeah, yeah. we're Westerners. <laughs> and, and, and I yeah. think that because <laughs> of that, sometimes we struggle to understand some biblical truth. And, and this whole fear of God thing, yeah. it seems like we approach that yeah. from a, uh, uh, not from a, a point of spirituality. Right. And, but we think that fear is because I've done something wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and how, does, how should that affect our spirituality or our concept of spirituality? Our, our belief around the fear of God? Yeah, it seems like fear ought to be interpreted more in, in terms of, of awe and yeah. majesty yeah. and glory rather than God must be mad at me. Yeah. yeah and God will be mad at me if I don't do this. Yeah, it's interesting. My daughter came home from school and, you know, she had been in a class where they were talking about the fear of God. And... Um, and I do think, uh, for me, I'd be fascinated to hear. I think it's more than awe. Fear, the fear of God is more than awe and respect. There is like a, you know, um, you know, like when I stood at Niagara Falls, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, from me to you, from the water. There is, there is something about the size and force and yeah. of it that is. I, it, there's, it's hard to put a word on mm -hmm. it, but there was. I hadn't it was very near to fear. Like I had no interest in tempting, you know, sure. it's, it's force, it's power, it, it's consequence. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think, uh, this, this could turn into a really interesting conversation. I think because our view of God is right and wrong, carrot and stick blessing and punitive consequence. We have to fit the fear thing into it. And, and for me, precisely my point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, I, I'd be interested in your take. Like you said, their response was fear. Do you think their response was fear, or was their response shame, or some amalgamation of, of the two? Like, well, I'm sure there was an amalgamation of all of that. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know they were ashamed of right. their their nakedness. Yeah. But uh, I guess where I was going with that, I agree with you. It's more than just awe. Yeah. I, I think it includes that. Of course. And, and I think that it includes the fear aspect, like this incredible waterfall. You know, I've got to be very careful. I don't want to jump into yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think that in, in the West, it's almost like uh, we grow up with this idea. You have to fear God because if you don't obey him, yeah. he's going to throw these lightning bolts down on you and right. you're going to regret it. Right, right, right. And, and I... And, there, there is uh, an element that yeah. it, when when I don't live life as God intended, yeah. I suffer the consequence sure, of that. There's sure. no question about that. But it seems to me like rather in, in a biblical context, in, in the context of the biblical writers, the idea of shame, I fear to bring shame to my Heavenly Father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than what my Heavenly Father is going to do to me to punish me. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. just a whole different twist. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and we culturally, and therefore intellectually, that that's a that that's an interesting term for us. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's. I mean, we we could have spent ten weeks in Genesis chapter three with all the implications. With with no problem. With no problem <laughs> at all. Yeah. 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 That's that's a 
That's an interesting. You got me. You got me thinking. Oh, good, so, good. Yeah. Makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that on another on another occasion. Yeah, yeah. You you said something else that uh, that I thought was such a, a great interpretation application uh, when you talked about the consequences of sin. Okay, now you're going to have to really work hard, yeah. and the ground's not going to just automatically produce fruit. You're going to have to work for it, yeah. and uh, you related that to the modern attitude of another Monday. Yeah. to go to the job that I hate. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I thought about that and uh, because you were also talking about uh, connecting that to in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. Yeah, right. And could it be that our concept of death is a little limited? Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're just going to talk about all the small things. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think in the West, I think that we are unique historically, like human history. At our, I think we're the the West is the worst around how we view death, how we think about the afterlife. We, I, I think that we are maybe the least informed, least thoughtful um, culture in the history of <laughs> humanity around around this. But tell me why you're why you're you're heading that direction. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking that uh, you know to us it's a matter of, like you said, black and white, life, death. Yeah. And uh, it seems like uh, there are a lot of people that are li a living death, mm -hmm. and they're they're wow. going through life. They've lost sight of their purpose, their meaning. They're every day. Seventy-five percent of the people in this country hate their job. Right. And uh, that doesn't sound much like living to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It just seems like that that consequence of sin just goes so deeply, which. Uh, and again, I, I just want to emphasize, I don't think either one of us has the intention of bashing Western culture. No, yeah. uh, there's a lot to be grateful for. for sure. But at the same time, I do think that because I, I was thinking this morning when you, when you were, we were speaking, that maybe one of the problems we have is Jesus was a Middle Easterner. Yeah. There, there's no question about that. Correct. Yeah. And, and all of the biblical authors were so, Asians. Correct. And so they, they come from an Eastern culture right. that is not as linear as ours. Right. But when you think about it, since the situation in Constantinople, when the church split yeah, right. after the first thousand years, roughly, yeah. uh, the West, in a period before internet and, and easy travel, yeah. was essentially cut off from the East. Yeah. And I thought about that when you were saying that, uh, it, you know, in, in the in the West, we we think that it has to be an apple, sure. the fruit that Adam and Eve ate, because uh, European white people painted it that yeah, way. Yeah. And I thought, that's very interesting, because probably nobody in the East would have painted the same picture. No, right. But yet there was this separation for a millennium right. that went on. And I wonder if that's one of the things in the East, you know, they, you and I have both traveled in that part of the world. Yeah and understand that thought patterns and the ability to see things in Scripture yeah. are sometimes heightened by their culture, For sure. whereas we struggle because of our culture. Right. And I'm wondering if it doesn't come from that, uh, that division of the church back many, many centuries ago. I, yeah, I mean, I, if, I, if I'm understanding what you're saying, you're kind of saying... I'm not sure I'm understanding <laughs> what I'm saying. That's why I'm asking yeah. you. <laughs> you're kind of saying that God is pronouncing over pronouncing the implications of death over over Adam around his work the loss and death of yeah I'm just I'm just saying that, that it seems to me like uh, in, in the day that you eat thereof you right. will die well 
what does it mean day? Does that mean an epoch? Does that yeah, mean yeah, yeah. Uh, right. a literal 24-hour right. day? Yeah. Uh, all the yeah, no arguments ever... that we get yeah. into. But yeah. uh, so I, I've heard theologians say, and I know you have too, well, the day that they partook of the forbidden fruit, they began to die. Yeah, right. Well, it seems like there's a lot of death and life without God. Yeah, yeah. And it just seems like, uh, you know, that the moment that our physical body stops ticking, yeah. uh, maybe there's a lot of death that precedes that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Wow. That's I didn't, good. I didn't mean to take us <laughs> a, a philosophical line. Today. No, I, you know, you, and I tried to today, you know, talk about the cost of sin, how it, what happens in us, what happens between us, what happens around us, what happens from us. You know, all of those are pretty clearly delineated in Genesis. Yeah. 3. But what you're talking about is some of the kind of, you know, we, in, in Buddhism, they have this circle of life thing. Mm -hmm. You're you're kind of getting at the circle of death thing, right? Yeah, um, that's a good way to look at that. Yeah, and and I think that I think it, it's really impossible to articulate the quantitative, qualitative death that was actually experienced in Genesis chapter three. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't know that, that we could. It it would be pretty impossible for us to, I think, articulate what really. I think I'm just suggesting that because we just have assumed yeah. that the way that we look at scripture is the, the only way. way. That's right. Yeah. I think sometimes we have been limited to see things that are on the surface because I agree with what you said a moment ago that most of the time in life I find that it's the simple things that are the most profound. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're looking for that secret decoder ring that nobody's ever found before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just not there. Yeah. And toward, you know, as people are watching what Pastor Jeff's talking about with the split between East and West. About a thousand years into it, lost history of Christianity. Philip Jenkins, yeah. great, great, book. great book, great book. Uh, Should be read sense. by anybody interested in Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we always, we always think that um, our, our family tree goes goes back to, uh, you know, either Rome or Jerusalem. Yeah. And it's like, no, no probably not. not. Quite that yeah. way. <laughs> so uh, definitely, uh, and you know, I've, I've read it a couple of times. It's not an easy read. No, it's, it's not. It's very important. It's very academic. Yeah, yeah. So, But it's very important for anybody who really wants to do an in-depth study of how did we get to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not, it's, it's not to criticize where we are today. It's no. simply to understand better yeah. Yeah. why we have some of the attitudes, why we absolutely. have this tendency to legalism, why absolutely. we have this or that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I love this point because uh, we're, we're kind of coming to where we need to begin to wrap up. And, and you did that so masterfully this morning because you, you wrapped it up with hope. Yeah. And we talked about this a minute ago, uh, the promise of the Savior. Yeah. How should that affect in a practical sense the way that we address our struggles and our trials today, uh, looking for that, that point of hope? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I was struck as I studied because, you know, you spend whatever, however many hours reading about, thinking about, praying about the fall it's not a super uplifting experience no. you know, from a, from a preaching standpoint. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading about the fall of Lucifer. I'm, I go back to unseen, <laughs> another great book, the unseen realm, Michael Heiser. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm reading all the different stuff on Lucifer and Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, you know, the that, lost world of Adam and Eve. The last world. Yeah. Another yeah. Another book. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm reading that and then I'm reading, I'm reading about the fall and the implications in every way 
of, of their death and and uh, and our death. And I mean, you get to the end of it, and you're like, "What? This is it? Let's pray." You know, yeah. like you're picturing that, and just everyone. Uh, and, and it's so interesting to me, even in my own hermeneutic, whenever that that prophecy in three fifteen about uh, he's yeah he's gonna nip your heel, but one day you're gonna get your head stomped on. In in my vernacular, it's almost like an add on. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But, but it is the the life raft in the proverbial storm, and I'm and I am picturing uh, Adam and Eve. I mean. You just, as God is going through the, and this, and this, and this, and you can picture, at least I can, the realization of, holy, what did we do? Yeah. And, and that's what sin is, right? right? So many times this, the enemy is masterful at, at lowering the, the cost until the bill is due. Yeah. And so I'm just picturing them watching God kill you know, whatever he skinned, I think a lamb, but I'm watching that. I'm watching him clothe them. I'm watching them kind of looking at each other. And, you know, I have all of this imagery in my head. And then God says, turns to the snake and basically says, yeah, you got, you went, you got this one. Yeah. Not that I didn't know you were going to, but I, I did. And, uh, but you did, but and I just kind of picture Adam and Eve looking down, him saying that, and then kind of looking up, like, "What? What is that? What? What did you just say?" Yeah. And I just was thankful that in the times of regret and shame and fear, um, I'm like, this is the biggest one. Like, this is the one that begets all of them. That God didn't leave them on the hook. That yeah. God. And now I don't know that I'm sure they didn't understand it, but just that at the the height of sin that begets all sin, God says, "I got this." Oh, that's so good. That that's that's yeah. that's hope. That's hope. And as you you were describing that, I love the way that you kind of took us into reality. Yeah. And it reminds me of that conversation that I think anyone who's a good parent has ever had with a disobedient child. Right. Like, hey, you did this, you yeah. broke this, yeah. here's the consequence of that. Yeah. But then you say, but I want you to know that I still love you. Yeah. And you reach yeah. out and grab them and hug them. Yeah. yeah. And that's the picture that I just yeah. heard you paint. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the picture. And I, I think that I think that if and I try to say this at the end, if if what you did was like Eve, you know, childbirth from now on is going to be terrible. Yeah. If what you did was like Adam, work is going to be soul sucking for millions of human beings. If what you did is cast all of humanity and creation into sin and darkness and death, if that's still not enough <laughs> to yeah. surpass God's plan for redemption, salvation yeah. and grace, then I promise you, God's not done with you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, with that, word of hope. <laughs> I think we can sign off for today, but thank you so much for joining us on Let's Talk today. And uh, we're going to be right back here uh, next week, same time, same place, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, may God bless you until then. Thanks for tuning into the Graceway Experience. Hope we can talk again sometime.